Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is our 724th day together in God's Word. And if you're watching this on the day it's released, it's Christmas Day. This is our Christmas Day devotional. Merry Christmas to you. Um, if you're wondering, I recorded this ahead of time. I'm not getting up on Christmas Day to record devotionals. Um, anyway, it's been a good, it's been a good almost two full years now in the Word of God. And we're back in Isaiah, Isaiah 37. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, powerful. We ask that your word would do its power in our hearts and minds and lives today. Whatever day this is that we're watching this and going through this together, we pray that you would be present with us by your spirit and that your word would be powerful in us to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 37. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary, and the senior priests, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and yet there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me? Behold, I will put a spirit on him, so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Tirhaka, king of Cush, he has set out to fight against you. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, the king of Hena, or the king of Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, 
which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your servants you have mocked the Lord. And you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far deep recesses of Lebanon to cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, to come to its remotest height, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with my soul, the sole of my foot, all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field, like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. I know you're sitting down, and you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore thus says the Lord, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nineveh, of Nishrach his god, Adramelech and Sherezer his sons struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped, 
into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon his son reigned in his place. That is Isaiah 37, one of the most powerful chapters in the history of Israel. And, you know, we're told the story uh, in, in Kings and Chronicles, but here we get much more of the backstory of, of what is happening uh, behind the scenes with, with Isaiah and Hezekiah and the letters and the, and the prayers. So Hezekiah, he hears the word, this initial word from the Rabshakeh that we looked at two days ago when we were in Isaiah 36. And when he hears it, he tears his clothes covers himself with sackcloth, and goes into the house of the Lord. That is a sign of repentance, of desperation, of longing, of saying, help, Lord, you're our only hope. So that's what he's doing. And he then sends these guys who had just been talking to the Rabshakeh, Eliakim, who's over the household, Shebna, the secretary, the senior priests. He sends them covered with sackcloth to Isaiah. And they say to Isaiah, Thus says Hezekiah, this is a not a good day, but maybe. Here's where Hezekiah's confidence is. This is not a good day, terrible day, but maybe. Maybe the Lord heard because the Rabshakeh was mocking the Lord. Maybe the Lord heard and maybe the Lord will rebuke. So pray for us. Pray for us. Now remember all the other fortified cities in Judah have been captured. And so they're down to just a remnant of Judah that's left in Jerusalem. And so Isaiah says back to Hezekiah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Here's what I'm going to do. The Lord's initial answer is this. This is the Lord's initial answer. I'm going to put a spirit in um in the king, and he's going to go back. King Sennacherib is going to go back and return to his own land. And there he's going to fall by the sword in his own land. And then there's this rumor that the king of Cush, the Cushites, these are the tall, sleek, dark-skinned people, warriors from south of Egypt, right? The Sudanese that I've talked to you about before. They're going to come out and fight against Assyria. And so Sennacherib hears this rumor and he probably is thinking about going back and defending, but, but he decides before he does anything or goes anywhere, he decides he's going to send messengers to Hezekiah, further mocking the Lord. This is, this is not the words of the Rabshakeh, but this is now the words of Sennacherib himself. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given in the hands of King Syria. This is next level stuff. See, the Rabshakeh was saying to the people on the wall, don't let Hezekiah deceive you into saying that the Lord will. But now Sennacherib writes to Hezekiah saying, don't let your God deceive you. So now Sennacherib is openly mocking God's power and God's character, saying, if God's promised you deliverance, he's deceiving you because he's not able to deliver. Well, Hezekiah takes this letter and he goes straight to the temple 
and he spreads it out before the Lord, and he has this beautiful prayer. This is the best moment of Hezekiah's kingship. He's done a lot of good things. He's been a good king. Read about him in Kings Chronicles. He's been a good king. But this is the best moment, because he openly says before the Lord that the Lord alone is the God, the only God of all the kingdoms of the earth. He's God over Sennacherib just as much as he's God over Hezekiah. He rules sovereignly over the Assyrians, over the Cushites, as much as he does over Judah. And their gods, of course their gods, weren't able to defend them. They're simply wood and stone. They're simply the works of men's hands. They're no gods at all because there's only one God. And so now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. This is remarkable because you have to put yourself in the cultural context. Everybody was polytheistic. Everybody believed that there were many gods. And for the most part, they believed that different gods were sovereign over different territories. So Yahweh, the Lord, was the God of Judah, of Jerusalem. He had also been the God of Israel, but Israel wasn't super faithful to him. And so maybe he you know, turned his back on them. But but Judah has been much more faithful, not perfectly faithful, of course. And Hezekiah has been very faithful. Hezekiah has driven out all other gods, all other altars, all other idols. In fact, he's even purified the worship according to the word of God. But it's still possible that Hezekiah might be thinking, Yahweh is our God. We should be loyal to him. He's the one who brought our God, our fathers out of Egypt. He's the one who brought our fathers into the promised land. He's the one who's protected us whenever enemies have threatened us. We should be loyal to him alone. We should get rid of all other gods from our land. He could say all that. He could do all that and still be polytheistic. We don't think about that, but that was the dominant, dominant cultural reality. In other words, he could be thinking Yahweh is our God and we need to be exclusively faithful to him. But you know, Nishrach is the God of the Babylonians and they should be faithful to him. And the reason why we shouldn't be faithful to Baal is because he was the God of the Canaanites and, you know, Dagon is the God of the Philistines. And, you know, the Egyptians have, have their gods of Isis and Osiris and those, they should be loyal to them. He could have done all these reforms and still had that mindset. But now we see his heart very clearly that he knows and he believes. He confesses that there is only one God, the Lord. This may seem unusual to you, but there are so many professing Christians. So many professing Christians in the world today who think, well, Jesus is my savior and Jesus has saved me. He's my way of salvation. But, you know, the Muslims have their own truth and their own prophet and their own way of salvation. And the Buddhists have their own truth and their own leader and their own way of salvation. And we should all coexist, right? That is the mindset of many professing Christians today. But it is not true. There's only one God. And so the answer comes... And this is such a wonderful chapter. The answer comes with a prophecy from the Lord through Isaiah to Hezekiah, saying, through Hezekiah, saying to Sennacherib, king of Assyria, here's the response. Here's what you're going to write back to Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Look, she despises you. She, that is Assyria, 
Nations were almost always referred to as she back in the day. She despises you. She scorns you. She wags her head behind you. But the real question is, whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice? Against the Holy One of Israel. So now the Lord is going to talk directly to Sennacherib. By your servants you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, with my many chariots I have gone up, etc., etc. But then the Lord says, I did it. I'm the God who has given you all of these things. I'm the God who has planned these things from long ago. Not Nishrach, not any other God. I am. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Mocking me. I'm the only one true God. I'm the Lord over everything. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I'm going to turn you back on the way by which you came. I will do it myself. Not a rumor about Cush. I'll do it myself. And then he gives a sign to the people in Jerusalem because the question becomes, we're so devastated. We're so decimated. All the fortified cities have been taken. Everything laid waste. The army of Assyria has marched throughout the whole of Judah. What are we going to do? And God says, here's what you're going to do. This year, you're going to go out of the city and you'll eat what grows of itself. There's still enough crop left, enough produce left in the fields for you to be able to eat that. And the second year, what springs from that, those volunteers, you know, if you're a gardener, you understand every year you get some crops that come back. You're like, I didn't plant that. That just came back from last year, right? So you're going to have enough to eat that. And then in the third year, you're going to, you're going to be able to go out and sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And then this surviving remnant of the house of Judah is going to take root downward and bear fruit upward. And they're going to go out and they're going to resettle the land because God's going to give them another 105 to 120 years before they're going to actually be taken into exile. And during that 100 plus years, during that next century, this remnant from Jerusalem, and of course there were people who survived, people who ran out of the cities, people who hid in the, in the, in the fields, people who fled before the army. But this population is going to grow again, and it's going to be repopulating the world. And he says, don't even worry about the king of Assyria. He's not even going to come and shoot a single arrow against Jerusalem. By the same way that he's come, he's going to return. He's not going to enter the city. And then God answers with the most powerful act of a single angel recorded uh, in scripture. Maybe the angel of destruction that went through Egypt. But this is one angel against the army of the Assyrians. He goes through the camp. And 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians are struck down. And they arise in the morning and there's dead bodies. There's 185,000 dead bodies. Can you even imagine? That is way, 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 way worse than the worst days in like American history. The bloodiest battle that America's ever had in history was the Battle of Gettysburg, which over three days led to 50,000 people uh, killed or wounded, killed or wounded, 50,000 right? Over three days. This is 185,000 dead in one night. There's never been such a thing in the history of the world. And so, of course, Sennacherib gets up and goes home. He's gotten this word from Isaiah. He's gotten this word from Hezekiah that came from Isaiah, from the Lord. And then that night, 
185,000 of his armies, then of course he's going home. The hook's in his nose. <laughs> the bit's in his mouth. He's going home because he ain't nothing. He, he dared to raise himself up against the Lord. But he's nothing. And when he gets home, his sons kill him. His sons then flee. And his other son, Esarhaddon, ends up becoming the ruler of Assyria. And this is, sort of geopolitically, this is the major downfall of the Assyrian Empire and allows the Babylonians to rise to power because Esarhaddon's not going to be anywhere near the, the king that Sennacherib was. So God is saying to the Assyrians, all right, you've gone too far. You've raised yourself up too high. I'm putting you back down. Time for somebody else to take center stage. The Lord is the sovereign Lord over human history. He raises up and he brings down as he sees fit. And so if we as Christians are looking at our country here in America and we're saying we're still the greatest superpower in the world, but boy, it seems like the wheels are coming off the bus. Maybe they are. And maybe that's the Lord telling America, you've raised yourself up too high. You've gotten way too big for your britches. You don't realize that I'm the one who's blessed you. You're mocking me. You're directly challenging my right as creator in so many ways. You're done. Time for you to set aside. Someone else is going to take center stage. We don't know who that is. People think it's China. We don't know. But the Lord is sovereign. And we as citizens of the king, kingdom of heaven, as Subjects of the Lord Jesus should say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will be loyal to you no matter what happens to this place of our earthly pilgrimage. Because you alone are God over all the nations of the earth. And we should do what we're going to learn about in Daniel. It's good, it's good to have these two together like this. Be a faithful witness. Let's pray. Father, you are powerful. You are mighty. You have all strength and power to save, to strengthen, to deliver, to raise up, to cast down. May our hearts be yours. And may you be the one who is in our hearts and minds and thoughts and lives as our God, as our King. In everything, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That is Isaiah 37. Unfortunately, we have two more chapters of Hezekiah's kingship, and that was the high watermark. Things are not going to be super great from here on out. But Isaiah 38 is on tap for tomorrow. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.